0: Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. Now, right off the top, I want to apologize for a quick programming note. Last week, I said that Randy Shine was going to be on the show, but I'm having some technical difficulties with the audio files of our interview. I'm working very hard to get Randy back on Skype so we can have him back on the show. Instead, this week, I have a gentleman that we just filmed an amazing lecture with, Kevin Bethe. Kevin is well-known for his butter-smooth sleight-of-hand and ability to rework the classics in ways that stay true to the original, while also updating routines with modern moves that make them gems polished to perfection. Nick Lacapo joins me in the studio to talk about the Chris Funk trick, One Dollar Mystery. But before all that, Christopher Carter sits down with me for Desert Island Magic Books. Chris Ricardo, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you wash up on a desert island with one magic book. And, of course, it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart with the <laughs> rain good, and the that's sand. That's good, yes. Uh, what is your Desert Island Magic Book?
1: Uh, Barry Richardson's Theater of the Mind. Oh, fantastic book. Uh, absolutely. There's so much amazing material there. And, and also kind of brings to mind personal memories. Uh, Barry was the sweetest guy I ever personally met in my entire life. And
0: uh, I, I have to agree and uh, I, will, I will actually before you get into that, I will tell one quick story. Uh, my very first Magi fest here in Columbus, Ohio. like this is almost 20 years ago now. I came up, and I was in the restaurant, and this older gentleman came up, and I was messing around with cards, and he said, well, you do practice a lot. And I said, thank you very much. And then I thought I was going to be a mentalist at the time, and I went to go see this this great mentalist that i had heard so much about. I was so excited for his lecture. It was Barry Richardson. And then this sit in the front row, and i messing around with cards, and this sort of older gentleman walks over and goes, well, you just never stop practicing, do you? And I was like, wow, this guy is really following me around. <laughs> and then that older gentleman walked up on stage and started his lecture, and it was Barry Richards.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Barry used to call me every probably every three or four months just to say hi and to say, you know, Chris, I just want you to know that you're just really special and I'm glad you're out doing what you do. And it would just take my mood and and ratchet it up. It felt wonderful. And I, I later learned that he did this to dozens if not hundreds of people but what a cool thing to do to people. So, yeah, yeah, partly for the personal connection, but the material in it is unbelievable.
0: The the one that always jumps to my mind is the hydrostatic glass with the wooden spoon, mm-hmm. where you stir water and then you let go of the glass. And then the wooden spoon, it's hanging off the wooden spoon. And it's just such a clever method and also yeah. such a brilliant visual. What are, what are some of your favorite pieces from the book?
1: Uh, the foam book absolutely oh, the phone book prediction yeah. it's it's the best handling of the phone book i, I miss phone books by the way mm-hmm. uh, i wish i wish they <laughs> still existed because uh what he could do with the phone book prediction was absolutely brilliant Ment- so,
0: mentalists and strongmen uh both <laughs> both put into yeah, absolutely yeah so, please continue though the stuff he could do with a phone book was amazing
1: yeah it, the, the, his subtleties made it look like you could open that phone book to any location look at Any word, there was no sense that there was any trickery involved. It was exactly what good mentalism ought to look like, it was absolutely brilliant.
0: He uh, if I'm wrong the the phone book one is the one with the ring where he has you put your finger in the ring and slide it around or is that a different book test No from... that
1: that's a, that's a, a sort of a different book test you're okay. on you're on the the right track and that it uses oh. that method Yes but it hides that method I don't know if I want to give no, it away it, we right shouldn't
0: here. because uh, I, it, it is a book that is still <sighs> It's not difficult to track down. It is readily available. I know it's been out of print for a while, but it does come up around and listeners can definitely get a hold of Theater of the Mind. It's a really interesting book that's so well written. And when you read it, you would think that this person was performing thousands of shows every year and Barry was still... A college professor laid into into his life and just doing the occasional show, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, well, Barry also did uh, quite a lot of public speaking Mm -hmm. and spoke for all sorts of business and civic groups. So he he did have plenty of opportunity to do his things for a lay audience. Mm -hmm. But his primary occupation, you're absolutely right, was college professor. But that's that's definitely my desert island book,
0: and I think that, that him being a college professor is one of the other reasons that it is not only so well written but easy to understand. And and that is not that's not a combination you always find in no. magic books, especially in mentalism books.
1: Uh, well, absolutely, uh, and uh, honestly, sometimes I would say a good half of the magic books you you encounter, you wonder, did you even graduate high school? <laughs> but but Barry was. Um, yeah, he understood clear thinking and clear writing and and it's a fun read too because it's filled with stories about his interactions with other people and how the effects developed. and that's always been kinda of my exciting part about working with any kind of magic routine whether it be a trick I purchase or a book I always like to hear about how the performer developed it why did they choose the things that they did every time you read a book it's a mirror into the mind of the person who wrote it and that's what's exciting learning the tricks great absolutely but what's exciting is the chance to learn about performing or about how a person creates material
0: well thank you so much for joining us in desert island magic books and i'm so glad that you brought up theater of the mind because i've been waiting for someone to bring this book up it is so good and our listeners definitely need to check it out Thanks to Christopher Carter for joining me on the show, and be sure to check out his Penguin Live lecture that airs this Sunday. This cell phone trick is nuts, and I can't wait to add it to my show. Now on to the main event. Kevin Bethay took the magic internet by storm with his thumb-tipless bill switch, My Friend George. He's a working pro who performs at restaurants, corporate events, and cruise ships. He came in to film a fabulous lecture with some beautiful coin work that I know the Penguin audience is going to love. We talked a little bit about my friend George, but also his approach to updating classic effects and sharing the magic with your audience. Kevin is a monster magician that you really need to see work, and now you get to join our conversation. Kevin Bethay, thanks so much for joining us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. We just finished your fantastic lecture, and uh, wow, there was some really great stuff in there.
2: Oh, man, thank you, and thanks for having me. I had an awesome time, and uh, I'm glad you guys got to capture a lot of Uh, the routines that i've always loved to perform for people out there so uh it was an honor for me to come here and uh uh, definitely uh, showcase some of my uh routines that i do
0: i want to get back to the lecture and some of the the reasonings behind having you on the podcast with that in a second but I, i want to start off with something which is you and i met at 4f uh last year yes yes and uh and i actually owe you a little bit of an apology that i wanted to do on air because uh, your your bill change, My Friend George, just came out a few weeks ago and has been sitting at the top of the charts because it's really, really good. If any of you are listening to this right now and you haven't seen uh, Kevin's handling of the $100 bill change, you really need to check it out. And I, I owe you an apology because we were sitting wow. at a table at 4F and you said, hey, let me show you this. And you shared this beautiful bill change with a poem with me. And it was great. And I, I really enjoyed it. And <laughs> I, I complimented you, but I dismissed it a little bit, but only because... I didn't understand everything that went behind it and all yeah. of the little touches. And I also didn't realize you weren't using a thumb tip at the time. Yes, yes. And, and I think it, you showed it to Sean Dunn after that who recognized it for the real real masterpiece that it is and then was like, we have to get this guy in here to turn it. What, uh, so first of all, sorry for not realizing how good it was and I, I attribute it to how good it actually is. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, the, hundred, the $100 bill change is something that's been around for a while. How did you go about uh, adding the little touches and turning it into what it is now?
2: Okay, well, let me rewind a little bit. Uh, Eric, no apologies necessary. Uh, that's perfectly fine, and uh, I'm glad I got a chance to show it to you. And um, <clears throat> a, a lot of people that I've showed it to, I, I'm, I'm going to confess something to you. Mm-hmm. I performed it at Fectors in front of all these uh, big-time famous magicians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, the, you know, you can almost hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, and I, and I realize it now, is the same reason you had the same reaction. You see, to, to magicians, they're they thinking I'm using a thumb tip. Yeah. I fooled uh, a couple magicians. I won't name any names, but a couple big-name magicians, one of them in particular, thought I had a gaffed bill when I was doing it uh, with panels <laughs> and things of that nature <laughs> into it. So, you know, in the middle, I daun- it dawned on to me that... Uh, if you don't know and you think you're just doing the standard bill switch with a thumb tip, well, then there's nothing special about it except the poem that I added to it. Yeah. So once people find out that it is gaffe-free and you go from there. So, but what got me very interested into it is the story that I told along with my friend George, the effect, you know, I used to do the bills change all the time, change a one to a hundred. I would borrow the bill and, um, you know, and the people, you know, they, while it was 100, they would say, dude, yeah, give me that bill. Let me leave it back. And unfortunately, I would have to change the bill back and everything at the end mm-hmm. and give it back. Um, I think that took the air out of the balloon. Mm-hmm. It just really, really deflated the strength of that routine. You just yeah. change the one to 100. So I said, listen, what if I don't borrow the bill? I just use my own dollar bill. I, I, they can examine it, but it's mine. I do the changes, and I purposely wanted to do one without a thumb tip." I wanted to create some moves that look very natural and very open um, based upon some moves I've already seen before, but my touches as well, um, so that I would always, always be able to perform this effect. All I would need to do is have a folded up bill mm-hmm. inside my wallet. I wouldn't need a thumb tip or anything. So I was always ready at a moment's notice to do that. And that's how I came up with that. Um, the poem is a really uh, fun idea. I, I had seen other magicians perform close up where you add music to it or you add a poem. And it really, really uh, makes the effect so much bigger and so much emotionally uh, encharged into your audience. So I thought something else that would make this special was a a poem that I created on my own that uh, really matched my personality and style and uh, all the moves. And at the end, it was really weird. I, I didn't create it this way initially, but every time I ended the poem, people started clapping. Yeah. I I've, I've had a group of kids at a table start class. It was the craziest thing and I realized that I had something there.
0: You know, it's it's interesting because when I because I, I actually edited the 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 tutorial together and I had to choose a particular live performance that we got of you because we got you doing it on camera three or four times and, sure. and in each one of the performances they all ended with applause that was in a it was a very natural it, it's not like uh sometimes you'll see a performer sort of like egg the audience on and go and this is where you would clap the my friend george routine <clears throat> does sort of just end in this natural applause point and they don't want to they're not left asking you oh can't I have the hundred or right. something like that it's a really interesting approach to a classic
2: effect thank you and that's the, that's the whole idea that I tried to run with it's better to end with an applause and now you can move on to your next mm-hmm. effect versus somebody saying oh give me that dollar back or mm-hmm. wow you gave me the one back can you keep it a hundred it really to me takes away from a just a beautiful magic uh moment that you've created for your audience the,
0: the one thing I will say is that uh, I was very fortunate to have uh viewed the My Friend George handling uh, before a lot of other people and last year during a couple of my corporate gigs I found out who the boss wanted to give a bonus to and so I borrowed a $1 bill I, I have, so I had my my client give me a few extra hundreds that I was able to give away as bonuses. So mm-hmm. then I would borrow yes. a $1 bill, sure. ring in the folded bill, do the My Friend George change with all of your subtleties, and then leave the person with the $100 bill. So they got like their bonus, Absolutely. like an extra bonus from the boss, but I was able to like change their bill and then hand it back and get that nice moment. But it was being able to do it without a thumb tip so that I was ready to go whenever I encountered one of the people that my client wanted me to hand the $100 bill that really made it like that much more special and good.
2: Oh, Eric, what a great idea. And uh, I think that's awesome. And I'll tell you a really quick, funny story. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Just a real quick story. I was performing on a show, a uh, big audience out in front of me. And uh, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I use a bill switch with mm-hmm. the thumb tip, mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't. It depends on my situation, how I'm surrounded, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. This particular routine that I'm doing, I needed a thumb tip. Um, to to change the bill, mm-hmm. so I'm going into my pockets to find the thumb tip, and I realize I didn't have the thumb tip on me. I had left it in the dressing room in my jacket, and I'm uh. fumbling around. And you could see me. I'm I'm a black man. I'm I'm, you know, I'm turning pale right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the audience. I'm so embarrassed, and this trickle of sweat is starting to come down the middle of my forehead. And then I I kicked myself. I'm like, dude, you don't need a thumb tip. You do it, so I did it without the thumb tip. I had never rehearsed it that way before. I didn't do the poem, of course. I was in the, in the middle of another trick, but I did a very beautiful, very clean build switch, build change. Um, it worked well. The routine came to a successful ending, and I was very happy with that. If I had not known how to do one without a, without a thumb tip, I, I don't know what I would have done. So um, that was a good lesson there for me. I still, in this particular effect, I prefer the the thumb tip. But most mm. of the time, I love doing it without the thumb tip, and that's uh, that's my story for
0: you. Well, that's 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 hysterical. I love the idea of uh, a guy with one of the best thumb tipless hundred dollar bill switches in the world sweating because he doesn't have a thumb
2: tip. You have to have some, there's some instances where you really have to show your hands Mm -hmm. empty when you're holding up a bag, for example, with holding just the drawstring and you Mm would really want to show both your hands empty before you go into that bag. So there's some times with a thumb tip, uh, but, but, but 99% of the time, I don't, I don't need it. I use it without. So
0: speaking of classics, I sort of want to segue uh, sort of back a little bit into the lecture but more into sort of your general approach to magic is that you do a lot of classics. Yes. Um, is there a particular reason that you choose to do so many classics? Because just when I watched the material choice that went into, not only this lecture, but some of the other performances that I've seen you do... Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by $1 Mystery. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studios to talk to me about this gem from Chris Funk. Nick, you were telling me about a trick from... that. It's, it's been a while since it's come out, but I know Penguin just re-promoted it. It's a Chris Funk trick. $1 Mystery?
3: Yeah, we did just re-promote it because uh, we saw some people doing it over on their Zoom shows. Oh, really? Yeah, so we kind of had a nice new home in there. It's been a while since I had even seen the trick. Uh, Chris Funk, who's a fantastic magician. Oh, yeah. uh, He came here probably in 2015, 2014. He was one of the first magicians to actually perform in our Tuesday night show. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, just side note, like for years later, uh, when we would talk about shows, people's favorite shows, the show that he was at was considered by our audience to be one of the best shows that ever happened here. And he did this trick mm-hmm. in that show. Uh, so the $1 mystery is, I mean, it's a, it's a parlor trick, but you could also do it. I mean, perfect over, over Zoom, but um, you could also do a close-up. You, so you have a dollar and you say, hey, uh, if you're not imp- impressed at the end of this trick, I'll give you this dollar. And you put it in your pocket, but you make sure that it's in full view the entire time. And then you have a, it's just a series of uh, questions, and this is kind of like a classic comedy magic progression that you'll go through, where you are getting information from the audience. You ask somebody for a city, you ask somebody for their oh, yeah. sign, and like just a bunch of just comedic byplay. But it's great because all of these jokes are built into the routine so you could like easily slot this into your own show right away. But anyway, um, so you get a lot of uh, jokes out of some of the drawings and things that you're making, like predictions. But at the end, it's revealed that everything that your spectators said, if they said Paris, if they said Nike, if they said whatever they said is written on the inside of the dollar bill that's been sticking out of your pocket the entire time. No, oh, that's dope. Yeah, so it's 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 like a really cool confabulation routine. Now, I think what people don't realize about it, it it's 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 the the gimmick that you get here. It's not like a special pen, or it's not like it, it's it's the it's this like device that holds your paper in place and also allows you to do some secret writing without having to hold anything. Oh, that's awesome. Right? It really takes away any sort of like cumbersome like I'm trying to hide this in my hand. I don't know, if you've done any confabulation style stuff, there's always like some double writing type of thing that you need to get accomplished. And a lot of times it has to do with you hiding something. This allows you to just kind of free your hands up, right? And so that's what you're getting. You're getting the routine with with a really clever uh gimmick that allows that just keeps everything in place and and streamlines it uh, together so but you can watch it on uh, penguin magic the demo is really good and you can see exactly what the routine looks like one
0: dollar mystery by chris funk sounds like it's worth checking out That was $1 Mystery by Chris Funk. Available at penguinmagic.com. Now, back to my conversation with Kevin Bethay. So, speaking of classics, I sort of want to segue uh, sort of back a little bit into the lecture, but more into sort of your general approach to magic is that you do a lot of classics. Yes. Um, Is there a, particular reason that you choose to do so many classics because just when i watched the material choice that went into not only this lecture but some of the other performances that i've seen you do and when you visited us to film the my friend george thing you were also you were wrecking our audiences just just hanging out and uh and everything is this interesting take on a classic where you're updating these uh old routines with new moves is there a how do you go about updating a classic the way you do? Because you're often choosing to do some tough slights, particularly in the coin world.
2: Yeah, I um, and that's not by choice, I'll be honest with you. Um, I just found out uh, the classics, there's a reason why they call them classics. And I tell you, this generation of magicians, there's just so much information out there. I, I don't know how they do it. You know, things online, DVDs, downloads, streaming, uh, my head is spinning. There's just so many. Where do you start? Uh, It's just so much. The classics have always been something. It was introduced to me at a younger age. And I fell in love with those routines. Now, fast forward to today, there's still some beautiful routines out there, new. And, 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 I mean, I can name awesome magicians out there that are doing the latest and greatest They're doing things with cell phones and calculators and all kinds of beautiful magic. I love it. But the classics have always been something that I've had close to my heart, and I've always performed them. I and like I told you earlier, mm-hmm. they're so old, they're new, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, a lot of the the, the the this generation magicians, a lot of them aren't doing it. Yeah. So that's what makes me different from a lot of people. You know, I have no shame in doing ring on wand or ring on stick. Mm-hmm. I bring those out. Gypsy thread. I love gypsy thread. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, the cups and balls. I, I will never not do a show without that or a chop cup in it. So um I I want audiences to react and have that moment of astonishment just like I did back when I saw it 30 years ago, you know, performed by Slidini and Di Vernon and all these masters, Frank Garcia. You know, these guys were were some of my heroes and, uh, you know, I never want that magic to die. I I think
0: that that's... um really interesting way to approach it. I mean, I I certainly don't want any of that magic to die. And I I don't think we will have, I don't think we have to worry about that because we have so many people now jumping back in time and looking at these old routines. Because while there are so many people who are creators who are on the forefront of it, there's also a lot of people like you who are looking at classics. But I think what interests me is you're updating them. When you work on a new routine, how do you go about updating a classic?
2: I love that question. So it's a really natural uh, progression you know, when I first learned, uh, let's say a particular routine, let's say it was back 30 years ago in the 80s, well, there have been slights that haven't been invented um, since then that may be better than an older slight in its place. Um, Some may agree, some may disagree. Like, I I love the JW grip. You know, I put that in one of my coin routines. Uh, When I originally learned that routine that I have, my Silver Serenade, for example, Um, with the three coins, that wasn't in there when I first learned it. Mm -hmm. And then that came out, and I thought that would be a perfect place for that. Um, Another routine that I was doing, which is just the copper-silver, the the triple flurry that you saw me do earlier. At one point, I was doing a thing where I just did a retention pass into my hand, open it up, and now it changed to a silver coin. Mm -hmm. That's how I first created it. And then I had a good friend of mine, Mark D'Souza, remind me of the Nabil change. Wow, that'd be a good place for that. So, you know, you substitute moves, that you think will will be okay, it doesn't take away from the routine, and it 's got to fit your style, you know, um, I think Vernon was the one that said um, uh, he believed in eliminating as many moves as possible mm-hmm. uh, when performing a tr- routine, so I try to keep that in mind, but uh, i don 't shy away from moves that might be a little difficult or, or might be might be good to be added there, so yeah, sure, I may be working on a classic like the cups and balls, but if I can find a certain way to you know, make a make all you know a ball totally vanish that wasn't taught to me initially or anything like that. I think it's great to add things like that in your routines.
0: The uh, that Vernon wanting to remove moves always reminds me. It always makes me chuckle when someone brings that up because I always remember uh, the Marlowe quote. Uh, with a card trick. If you have a card trick that has, two, he, what Marlo said, if you have a card trick that has two slides and you remove one, you have a great, or if you have a card trick that has three slights and you remove one of those slights, it's a great trick. If yes. you remove the second slide, it's an amazing trick. And if you remove the third slight, it's a mathematical monstrosity <laughs> that should never be performed for anyone. Oh,
2: I love that. I've never heard that before, but that sounds great. It, it makes a lot of sense too. That's cool.
0: Uh, I, but I, I like what you're doing with, with adding this and streamlining it and going, oh, you know what? This would be better. The, the Nabil change is a really excellent addition that changes out and gives a, a different texture while, uh, to the routine while maintaining the same overall effect right. of the coin is placed in the hand and then changes and then but just the the difference in the way that the coin enters the hand and the way the hand is positioned makes it just that much cleaner and adds something a little bit different that I, just removes something else
2: i thank you eric and i agree i mean think about it M- moves and slights are just items in our toolbox and the more and more items you have in your toolbox you can take away replace you can you can put this tool back and grab another tool out it might be better, it might not be as good you may go back to an old old method that works as well or you may have something uh, from this generation of magicians that they've come out with that made it even better so you know I have I, I don't have a problem uh, doing things like that if it as long as it keeps the, the routine uh, pretty pure and, 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 and the effect stays the same.
0: Well, Kevin Bethay, thanks so much for joining us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, we have been just delighted to have you in Columbus both of the times you've been here, and we can't wait to have you back.
2: Yeah, man, thanks a lot. I had an awesome time. Thanks for having having me and. Uh Uh, Really great talking to you guys again.
0: That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Kevin Bethay for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. On the show next week, I'm airing a conversation I had with Mario the Maker Magician. Mario is an off-the-wall family entertainer who combines 3D printing, robotics, and enthusiastic energy to create one of the most infectiously enjoyable magic shows that you'll ever see. Before I sign off this week, I just wanted to let you all know about the Facebook live streams that Nick Lacapo and I are doing. Every Sunday night at 9pm, Nick and I go live on the Penguin Magic Facebook page to count down the top 20 tricks of the week. Now, we actually examine physical props on camera, take questions from the viewers in the chat. We're planning to have people come in via Skype on the show eventually. But more important than any of that, we have some really sexy ESPN-style graphics and an insane intro video that looks like a VH1 show from the 90s has final creative say on our graphics package as always we're a weekly podcast so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you plan to watch nick and i live stream on if you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show you can ask us on the chat when nick and i go live on facebook this sunday But if you forget to tune in, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E R I K T A I T. I'm sorry. I'll have a better dumb joke for next week. For now, the intro video for our Facebook page is or Facebook live video is going to be the dumb joke. Anyway, thanks for listening. And as always, from me and everyone else at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, wear a mask.